I'm Mariangela Abeo, and this is the Face to Faces podcast, a conversation series that provides a platform focusing on the LGBTQ and POC communities and their allies in the areas of activism, politics, mental health, arts and entertainment, and community, where we discuss the human experience in our ever-changing world. The goal of this space is to remind you that while you may have moments where you feel isolated or alone, there is always an incredible community of people here that is safe. We all connect to people at our deepest pains and our greatest joys. And in this space, we're here for those moments and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Take a seat next to me. It's always open. Now, let's lean in. Hi, everybody. It's M. I wanted to give you a really quick note about today's episode. You will not be hearing my voice or seeing my face if you're watching this. This is a town hall discussion for the queer, trans, intersex people of color in our community. I have chosen a cross-section of people from across the United States that were brave enough and kind enough to share their time and stories around what is happening right now with the racial pandemic in the world, let alone in our own communities. Please give them the same respect that I would. Listen and take note of the ways that you can do better, be better, and how you can support those in your community as well as these individuals specifically. Thank you very much in advance for giving the utmost safe space to those in this episode. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Carlos Dillard. I live in Seattle, Washington. Um, I am a comedian, public speaker, and author here in Seattle. Um, and we're doing an emotional check-in. Is, are we doing that? Do you mm-hmm. want to do your, your, I guess I'll just do mine. Um, I actually, we just had our couples therapy today and I just, we talked about being exhausted and that's how I kind of ex- described how I felt just about everything, just like financially, emotionally, like dealing with racism I just so my check-in is just I'm exhausted I'm exhausted but I have enough sleep I'm just exhausted how about you babe my name is Chris Dillard uh I am a compliance specialist for a public housing agency in Seattle um emotionally I am tired of being home (laughs) (laughs) I miss going out to the dive bars I miss going out in the sun I just miss going out in general like just having that option to go out and do anything and coronavirus has taken that away from me. And then we have Donald Trump and your rights are coming, but they're also leaving. So you need to watch that. Uh, who's ever next. Can they hear us? Unmute. Hello. Oh, Hi. <laughs> My name is Nicholas Rose, and I'm a dancer with the National Ballet of Canada. I live right here in Toronto. And currently, I feel extremely 
betrayed and disappointed by the ones who I thought were, who were going to be carrying it. Yeah. Backstabbed, I think is the word that you would call it. Yeah, backstabbed. Yeah, it hurts. So I'm in pain and I'm able to acknowledge it. So that's good. But uh, yeah. I don't know who's next. I forgot the word. Oh, I think it's me. Um, oh. Hi. My name is Z. Um, I am a writer and poet in Seattle. Um, and I'd say I'm pretty tired. I am exhausted. I am very aware of my um, perspective as a non-Black person of color throughout all of this. And I, it's been really difficult to sort of watch everything unfold and know where my place is. Um, so I've been trying to just listen, but also amplify and do as much work as I can. And it's, it's really exhausting. Um, so, yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Don. I am born and raised in Bronx, New York City. My pronouns are he, him, and his. And I am also a poet. Uh, I am also tired in a, a way that I never thought I could be tired before. I feel as a Black queer male, uh, I feel like I'm getting attacked by like all sides right now with just Black people feeling the way they feel and then white people feeling the way they feel, and I'm just trying to make sure we reach the level of equality that we deserve without losing the little bit amount of mental stability we can possibly have, especially with corona really messing us up right now too. So I would say I'm really exhausted as well. I don't know who's next. I think it's me. Um, hi, I'm Ren. Um, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, my pronouns are she, her. And um, I guess emotionally, I'm just kind of like, uh, I don't know. Every time everybody said an emotion, I was like, yeah, I kind of feel that too. It's kind of like a cluster of um, negative emotions. I guess if anything, um, just a little bit like... Um, frustrated and um, kind of hopeless in a way, um, thinking about the fact that this has been done before and now we're doing it again and just kind of like how many more times is this going to have to happen, especially because um, I'm 21, so I'm pretty young and I don't know, it's just kind of frustrating, I guess. Uh, I'm Callisto. I use he, third gender pronouns, and they. Um, I've been feeling lots of things. I am uh, an adoptee. Uh, I am an end-of-life doula, and I am an organizer and just grappling with um, so many people um, saying that they all of a sudden care about me right now and trying to um, surround myself with my black chosen family because if they didn't care before, 
why are they like, I'm thinking of you just because your community is really visible right now. And it just leaves me tender because I'm a compassionate person and I kind of am limiting who I surround myself with. And I don't get angry easily, but I'm allowing myself to be angry in this moment. And if I get angry, I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> um, but I have been receiving support from folks around reparations for plants, like my plant behind me here, and working around um, like food support and just good feelings at times. That's good. I like plants. We have a bunch of plants back there too. You just gotta like give something love, right? And it just helps. I bought almost two hundred dollars worth of plants. Plants should okay. Here's my here's my issue. How are we gonna pay for something that the earth naturally has? Like I just never like. <laughs> I just like how you just gonna take it out the ground? And have you heard of an air charge me? Like I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. <laughs> $200, that's ridiculous. I uh, see my bedroom. I had to move closer to the router, but it's like a jungle in there. But I feel the same way. <laughs> and then we got into air plants. So we have plants that just sit around the house all day. We call he, them plastic. He's he saying they're air plants. I think they're plastic. Like my grandma had air plants too. Okay. And they never needed no water. All, they just needed to get rinsed you, off every couple of years. <laughs> 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 um, okay, but uh, it says, uh, we're going to talk about like the protest. Do you want to talk about the, your experience on the protest and how you felt? Okay, so the protests all started out as Black Lives Matter, but I work in Capitol Hill and I watched it go from Black Lives Matter to Chaz. And then I watched us leave the United States, which is treasonous as fuck, for about five minutes. And that became chop. But literally, it's just white people at a festival and there's crackheads out there <laughs> literally on the street doing their crack, asleep on those. Don't sit on those sofas because crackheads sit on those sofas. And they're just out there you getting naked. His, his, your building, you like overlook the whole... The yeah, whole, so like, my building can precinct. see the whole precinct. So we pretty much watched the whole thing unfold from my building. And now it's a festival and there's homeless people that took over Cal Anderson Park which is the part they're trying to contest. and So how does that make you feel as a black man? you feel like what we marched for? I feel like what we marched for is shit now because they literally took it, colonized it, and ran with it. And we haven't said George Floyd's name in how long, but we're sitting here talking about CHOP every single day. Um, What's CHOP? Uh, so here in Seattle, they took it's Capitol Chaz, Hill, but they just—they're just so indecisive. They just—they changed the name to the Capitol Hill organized, organized occupied protest. Occupied protest. That place, yes. And the guy who named it was actually like we. I don't want. I ain't gonna say a record, but we were marching. We marched for like four or five different marches and mm -hmm. protests, and every time he was out there, he seemed very intellectual, but mm -hmm. he was homeless. He like he was just like a person without home. And um, and he, we spoke to him a couple times, but then my my also my issue 
with what's going on in Seattle is like CNN when we were there, CNN is just finding people of color in the chopper in the chest mm. and just shoving cameras and microphones in people of color's faces. And these people have not, okay, not to say that they have no voice, but when they, like this guy I'm talking about in particular, not that, that him being homeless has anything to do with it, but when when I saw it on CNN, they said he was an le- organized leader. And I was like, organized leader of whom? Of whom? Because this is not, like, this was no elected official. This was no, no like, Nikita Oliver. This was no one that we were even socially following. I, I only knew of the guy because, like, I literally thought he was someone because when he tried to direct us at the protest, mm-hmm. I was like, what organization are you from? He was like, organization of life. Okay. And he was just like, you can kind of tell he just like wasn't all there. So my issue was when we went to the chop and what has happened after, like, they just think that every black voice does have a black vo- or does have a, a standing, but it doesn't have to be broadcast as facts because mm-hmm. we all have different experiences. I'm a gay black man. I'm married. My experiences during the, all of this is way different than, I don't know if any of you, you black men are single, but I'm sure y'all, your experience during this is way different uh, than what we're going through. Even though we're black and we're gay, we're married. So we might get it extra. We might actually have, when you guys were talking about like how tired you are and um, you're saying, um, I think Nicholas was saying how he was just like exhausted about fighting uh, the ballet. And I'm not sure if you have a partner to do that with, but when you do have a partner, it does actually help you because you got people to bounce off ideas. You have someone to bounce off your emotions with. So um, uh-huh. my heart really goes out to the LGBT black people who are single, who don't like literally go home by themselves. And they just like, I don't know do like, we, how y'all are doing it. Especially do on, oh, go ahead. The past, two, the past two years since I've been here, actually, no one likes to talk about it, but um, the LGBTQ community is ridiculously racist. And like when I tell you that I have literally not had a sexual relationship in two years, I have gone to the, I've only gone to the gay village about 12 times because every time there has been some sort of racial slur used against me. The last time I went- What do they say? What do they say? Well, the last time I went to a bar, someone literally said, get the fuck out of here, you nigger. Nobody wants you here. Oh, and this goodness. is things that they say straight up to your face. Like people oh, don't yeah. think in Canada, everyone's like, oh, they're so polite. Someone literally has called me a dirty nigger, broad daylight, 22 year old white girl, straight up, just straight up. They don't even care out here. Not to mention the fact that Aboriginal women are going missing at an extremely high rate. And there's a lot of human trafficking out here. I was actually, um, the last time I was actually with the dude, he drugged me and he was actually a human trafficker. And he was trafficking a young man who was 17 years old and was actually a ballet dancer like me and i somehow got out of that situation and i'm really happy that i'm alive because he literally poisoned the shit out of me so out here white people fetishize black people as their slaves and every single time i've been with the dude they've literally made me somehow want like i've never actually gone with it i'm very um i respect myself so i'm very quick to just say no and just walk out the door because i'm i know my value but a lot of people like look at your skin tone. They assume that you're going to be like some submissive slave boy. Yeah, and that happens. It happens so often to the point where it's like I don't even bother because the last time I tried to have any type of relationship, I almost ended up dead. So, and it 
is just so scary being black and gay here because even the black and gay people are not here for you. They're all brainwashed. And so my best way of communication is literally FaceTiming my friends in the United States. It is very isolatory here, not to mention everyone in my company who is posting on Instagram with their allies, but no one has actually messaged to see how I'm doing. So everyone is just doing it for hearsay. Everyone's just doing it for, for why is it that during this time, everyone's feeling the love except the black guy? Why? Isn't you know that what I did? You know what it's we did? Black man. You know what I mean? It's like, and why are, why are black women so unheard still? What's going on? You know, these are questions that like, that white people are not wanting to ask because they're so concerned about just George Floyd on mm-hmm. purpose because they don't want to look at the bigger problem. They don't want to look at the bigger problem. George Floyd was a vessel to show us the truth of something that needed to be uh, needed to be open, and that's why he is the ultimate sacrifice that this world needed. To me, he's the black Jesus of today. He had to. That happened for a reason. But at the same time, white people are not looking at this as a learning tool to see their sick problem. They can literally send people to the moon, but they cannot cure the sickness in their hearts. That's a problem. Like, we don't need Aunt Jemima's name to be changed. How about you redirect that, the response to the, the black community? Right, right. These little nitpicky things, and it's like, are you looking at the bigger picture? Like, they're taking She's Paw been a mammy forever. They took off Paw Patrol. Like, I don't, I, the little dogs didn't hurt nobody. I actually do appreciate that they took cops off of the television because I, it really changed how people thought policing. Mm-hmm. And like, if you think about it for 30 years, kids grew up to be adults who went on to be cops and they thought that that's how you police black people. So mm-hmm. I appreciate uh, that. So like, I grew up but the is kind of getting old, but you kind of have to kind of take it. Like it with it, with the good and the bad, you know? Like Legos are moving like the police from its like boxes and sets. Like you guys are doing way too much and we didn't ask for any of this. Right. For some equity, some equality. Well, well, that's what you're talking about, allies. But where my husband did, like you're saying, all your random white friends or maybe some people who are of color but not of black people, they they come in, ran like, how you doing? They call you. We started to go fund me. I was like, well, you know what? Here you go. This is how I'm doing. Retribution. I mean, it's like, here you go. Donations, donations, donations. That's what we need. Donation. <laughs> how am I doing? I need donations, mm-hmm. donations, donations. Because at this point, yeah. like, I've been talking about it for years. We've been speaking about it. And at the end of the day, if you want to feel bad, here's something to feel, mm-hmm. make yourself feel better. Because I'm not going to mm-hmm. send you a DM to make you feel better. You should like, we literally need equity. And that's my biggest word throughout this whole thing. And people think equity means equality. And those are two different words. Equity means Amen. I need equity in my future. And I need equity and choices that you guys have as far as it comes to homes and job opportunities and stock options and, and equity and all of that so to in order to get that i'm gonna need a lot of donations 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 so that's what i suggest to you guys and at first i felt like oh we shouldn't beg but i ain't begging for what's already owed to you they are they already go out and buy you a drink so can you just send me that drink one into my cash app <laughs> let me figure out how i want to use it right so um two things can y'all show me how y'all did that because i'm a 21 year old queer black female in Baltimore who's broke as hell and don't got no family out here because everybody uh, my family. We did it on GoFund, just go on GoFundMe. It's super easy. It takes mm-hmm. like five minutes. We made a little video uh, that I edited. Um, I'll have I'll have M send it to you guys. Like I just made a little video that was like, hey y'all, uh, we believe in reparations and then we need some money. 
And we just had white people just literally like it mm-hmm. took like three days to raise four hundred and fifty dollars. I was like, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. I My lease ended in the middle of the pandemic. Every company I went on Instagram, every company that like in podcasts that because me and my husband have a podcast. So we were trying to focus on white podcasts because I kept hearing them say like, oh, we feel so bad and we just wish we knew what to do. And I was like, here's something to do. You can repost my video and you can have yours people reach out. And um, if y'all feel bad, this is what you can do. And this is directly affect. This is a black voice because they're saying how they want to affect the black voice directly. Like This is a, a directly affecting our black voice. And what we need is we needed a new uh, podcasting set. So mm-hmm. we're just like, why spend our $400 for a podcasting set to talk about how y'all are fucking us up? Y'all going to pay for that. Right. So go fund me. And then whenever you, whenever I'd say anything about racism or talk about it on my Instagram, and I know my white followers are listening and watching it, I always put that little cash app in there because I'm giving y'all a free education. And people, they really do be sending it. Mm-hmm. And at first I felt bad, but I was like, no. We've worked for them. Our ancestors have worked for them for generations. All, the least you can send me is $5. And then the reason why I ultimately stopped feeling bad is because I went to the Chaz and I saw white people asking for pizzas. And they were getting it. Like this pizza this pizza place got paid almost. Seven, I asked they get paid $7,000 in two days worth of pizza. And I was like, so you know what we could have done with seven grand in the black community? Right. Like you said, mm-hmm. you're in the Baltimore. You know what you could do with seven grand? I know I get my. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I'm affordable. <laughs> you know, but these are white people. There are literally white people in Seattle getting seven thousand dollars worth of mm-hmm. pizza for the Chaz, and and people who sent that money really feel like that they are helping black voices. And I'm like, hell no, you're just feeding homeless white meat people, which is cool, but that's not what that that's that's not, not what that's for. That's not what that's for. You know. That's what I told the person who sent me, like, hey, here, this person wants to pay to help make a scholarship for black folks in mortuary school. And I said, you're the 17th person that shared that with me. Here's my cash app and PayPal. Cause I don't need it shared because she hasn't gotten back in touch with me about helping with school. I've already got next semester paid for by FAFSA and student loans. And it's like, how do you guys- I don't have any guilt asking folks. Somebody asked me to make a list of all of the, um, black owned vegan businesses in the city. And I made a list and I was like, this took me two hours. Here's my app. Yep. Yep. You gotta send them an invoice. You really do. You really do gotta be sending people invoices for your education, for teaching them. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that's just, but that's just a scratch at the surface. Uh, speaking of like reparations, we've been getting a lot of uh, questions about, so, you know, we're going to defund police. What else do you guys want? And I, even my allies who are like our really close white allies, they're like, so, Let's say you guys get your three hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars reparations. Don't you think it would be unwise to just give that to every black person? Like, wouldn't they just go out and waste it? I mean, and if they do, <laughs> it goes right back to the white economy, right. and they right. get their money right back. But so then I'm just like, I'm like, how do you guys feel about? Because I'm just that's always a question that came up, and that's always I keep hearing this at the chat too. Like, if they get reparations, well, like, do they deserve? I mean, first of all, we all know we deserve it. So, like, right. Why do you care? Like, does your boss ask you what you're going to do with your paycheck? I think the, um, yeah, I think the larger question is, I mean, it's already white privilege to even have that conversation, to even ask what, because there's a total misconstrued idea that white people have about black people that we're not allowed to enjoy our material possessions in any which way we want to, and it has to be regulated. And so, I mean, if you think about it, 
we are, if we get a bunch of chains and jewelry and cars, that is ghetto, but a white person can have jewelry and chains and cars and they're looked at as a, a total boss. So honestly, I think it's an inferiority complex where they're like, where, because they have mind controlled us for so long, when we finally get control of something that we want, it becomes dis it, it becomes dismissed. And I think that's totally acceptable to understand that that is what's going to always happen. And I think our duty is to understand that it's not our responsibility to carry their guilt and their anger. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't even, just for someone to even ask that question, to even initiate that conversation, you should immediately cut it out. Immediately. I immediately. Didn't think of it that way. It doesn't respect you enough to see that you are, you know your own self. That's just, they don't even give a fuck. So, right. why do you give a fuck about even entertaining that notion? You shouldn't. Why I mean, I, I, I take the money. Shit. Take I'm, the money. Not, I'm not complaining. <laughs> well, I'm going to take the money and block you. That, that's right. My thing is, like, if we, if we get that money, that money, like like y'all said, it will go back to y'all because we're going to end up spending it, but that goes back into building our communities up. That goes back into helping each other out. That makes it really a full circle thing, and I think that's where the fear is because when they give us that money, we ain't giving it back to y'all. And I think, well, his his question was more of like, well, what does that help with the black? Like, how does that change you guys from getting murdered by police? And then my response was that gives right. us an opportunity to build our community, to buy right. homes, to actually build private communities where we'll have our own police force. Like, if we have, yeah. have the opportunity to pass on generational wealth and to like we start to police our own by having the opportunities to pay for our college, pay off our fucking debt, mm -hmm. just pay off our debt and start off right. where you guys started off. Like, like at the top, man, you know, like right. that's what the difference but he was just like, I just don't understand how giving people money is going to change racism. I'm like, it, it doesn't. doesn't. It makes me feel it, better. You just owe it to us. Right. It's not supposed to, it's not supposed to change that. And that's y'all. Y'all supposed to change it. Yeah. out here. Y'all built it. You go change your girl. Give us the money. And that's it. <laughs> give us the money. <laughs> but also, do you think they're going to give out $14 trillion? They're going to kill every black person they could find they before, before they could even give that money out. They gave out to every American. So let's do it Some of the people don't need all that money. Some people right. Well, some people didn't need that corona money. Right. But they still gave it to them. But they would kill every black person they could find before they gave us that money. Look at uh, uh, Tulsa. Yeah. Mm. I also I feel like, oh, sorry, Go ahead, man. black people are looked at as like non-humans and that our emotional spectrum could only be happy with material possessions. And white people are not asking what we're actually going to do with the money. They're just already assuming that we're going to blow it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really assumatory because a lot of black people, the first thing that they always want to do is share it with their loved ones because they know that it's a way bigger picture. But that also comes from just the black experience. We are not responsible for having to educate them on how we're going to spend our money because white people are naturally pretty fucking selfish. So they're not even going to think of spending their money the same way as we are. So that's why they're probably assuming that. Why would you give it back to your well, to be quite honest with you, it goes deeper than that. You actually need to help build morale in your community so people don't want to do dumb shit in their community. If they feel like there's actually a purpose, then they're not going to want to be a part of something that will bring them down. Yeah, sorry, Listo. Listo. Oh, yeah, I was just speaking right to that, where it's we, when people ask for money, 
we give it back to our families and our community. I'm just thinking about Juneteenth tomorrow. Where yes, and, I'm buying black. Amen. <laughs> and on top of that, it's like seeing the white community where they're where we're protesting now because of the black lives, black trans lives, black women's lives, black men's lives that have been lost. And people and the white people were like, "Can I get my hair cut?" And we're all talking about tomorrow where we're like doing community kitchens. We're offering to offer food to like making meals for all of us to share in our houses and have together um, from a distance over channels like this. And other people are like, oh, the restaurants are open now. I can go and eat in there. And I'm like community kitchens, community involvement, divesting, giving money back to one another instead of just being like, right. I've got, I can't make food myself. I've got to eat out every single day of the week and all the money just goes to um, a non-black owned business. And it's like, no, buy black. <laughs> so that's, true. Like a, ooh, that's a real cultural thing. And I think that is where their disconnect really is because th that is how we are as a people. We are very making it, make the money come all the way around. And I think the disconnect is which stops us from doing this. A lot of us don't have the money to make it go full circle. We don't have the money to buy black. And if you do have the money to buy black, you just perceive buying black as lesser than because of the white mindset and the belief that, you know, white brands like Gucci and Louis, when they do the blackface and all that, it's, it's like, well, when, you know, I support black businesses when I can, but I'm really here for this. So I think, that money would definitely break that. And I, I, we need the money now. Mm -hmm. I think also there's really something to be said for the fact that like um, going on with what you're saying about the Gucci thing versus like buying black. I think one thing that really um, hinders the growth of our culture is the ideal that we have to always have some sort of name brand or there has to be some sort of recognition. I don't know if this is going on where you guys are, but especially in Baltimore, if you don't have a name brand, it's something, if you don't have the latest look, if you don't have this, like, it's really a flex, but we living in the hood. And so it's like, it's much better to say, at least around here, like, oh yeah, this is Gucci versus, yeah, this homegirl down the street, black business, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it doesn't yeah. hold as much weight. There's a lot of weight to be held with these large companies socially. The same way that's there in, uh, in Baltimore, I'm from Detroit, so that's kind of the same way. Uh, but here in Seattle, it's kind of similar where it's not about really what you are because everybody here doesn't, they don't really don't care what you are. They're all wearing like Birkenstocks and granola and stuff. But it's really about what, like when we moved here, we really felt forced to buy a luxury car because it was kind of like that if you don't have a luxury car, you're just not getting any respect. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to this really like, we, did, we, we didn't know it was the ultimate widest part. It was downtown uh, Bellevue and like the widest part of town. And they and we had a nice car that we owned. It was mm -hmm. like a little Nissan Murano. I had paid for that car through college. Like I liked it. And when we moved here, we kind of felt like we literally, we, we had like five other levels to just like get some type of respect. And then mm -hmm. I spoke to this Asian man. He was like, well, maybe you should get a luxury car and you'll fit in more. And I was like, oh, sorry, did you hear? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I I and we did, we got a luxury car. And when we got the luxury car, they're like, did you guys win a lotto? 
are you drug dealers? And I'm like, wait. So I thought I could fit in. Not here. Right. And then like, and then it was, so like, you could never prove yourself. And then we got a nice house. So then now like we do the opposite where I have a little old electric car. I paid for it for in cash, like nine grand. I downsized a lot, but now I have the money to invest in small businesses and to invest in myself. And I, I invest in my book and, I actually feel a lot better once you get away from that ideal of, oh, I have to live with the Joneses and compete not only with my community, because when back home, you're feeding with other black folks. But here mm-hmm. you're really competing to try to like be like, hey, white man, I'm just like you. Like I, 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 I can I can live just like you when you really don't have to. I don't my actually I don't want to live like you. I want to live like you, and I want to make my own story, my own pathway. Yes. Beautiful. The, the amount of people that want to go is the thing that like I was going to bring up the point when we were talking about giving out the reparations and stuff like that sorry I keep forgetting hope it's right here but um when we were talking about giving the reparations and stuff like that I think um you know the saying all skin folk ain't kin folk first of all so my thing is kind of like first of all it doesn't really matter you can't really count nobody's pockets anyway if you're going to give me that money, what I do with it is what I do with it. We're not counting every white person on the street's money, so what you worried about what I'm doing with mine. But anyway, the second point, um, basically about like how all skin folk and skin folk, all skin folk and skin folk, basically, um, yeah, I lost it as I was saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> um, I think when we talk about, like, having to, like, always build and, like, show our worth and everything like that, there's a lot of us here in this group that are going to be like, okay, well, the whole point of this movement is to go out and give back to our community and uh, shop black and let's uplift the voices, and we're going to generate the money throughout our community, give it to our families, you know what I'm saying, like that, build this generational wealth. But I'm going to be honest, I know a good deal of black people who do not feel that way and will Mm. always want to give it back to the people who have put us in the position we're in the first place to always like well always and that's up. well and that's why I also believe that that's why Chris and I work so hard to be in the not the white industry, but to be in those white circles. So get stock in Gucci. If you know if you know your if you know your brother's gonna go buy as soon as he gets his three hundred thousand dollars, he's gonna go buy Gucci. If you can't beat them, join them. Mm-hmm. So get a stock in what they're gonna get because if you get your get your seat at the table. If we can't, if if you can't convince people to come to the black table, just have a seat at their table for a little bit. Have a have a, a chair on their board. So I definitely I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that it, it takes more people who are like us who are like, all right, when I get that money, I'm gonna I'm gonna do good with it to give back to my community, giving back to your community. All, and that's the thing. A lot of black people think that giving back means not making money. No, giving back means making as much money as you can. Like it's not being the, uh, a martyr for your community. Um, and I think that's also, st- I mean, to keep our own community a hundred percent, that's our, like we do that to our own people sometimes. Like, like me and my husband, we get called whitewash. We get called all these things from our own community to the mm-hmm. point we'd rather live. We live in a white neighborhood, not Kind of not by choice. Because we are gay married men, we experience mm-hmm. so much homophobia. And right. our black men are, are killing black men and trans women. It's actually safer to live in a white neighborhood where I'm going to get called a nigger, but they, they won't whoop my ass. Right. They catch me in the alley. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. So right. we need to address our communities first. And that's what I also, like, I also talk about. We, like, as far as like money, as far as socially, we need to address our communities first before 
we even tell them how to address us. Like right. we need to address us for ourselves first. So I don't know where I was going. What, what did Emma say? I was going to follow up on that. I had two things. There was one thing about the pro about my thoughts about the protests, and the other thing about um, I'm tra- I'm black and trans, and I'm also married um, in a gay relationship in Seattle. So I can speak to that point of like. I live in the South End, down in SeaTac. Most of my community down here looks pretty similar to me. And compared to the Chaz Chop, where I used to work um, in that area, but haven't been up there in about six months, um, compared to there was a Sunday, I think two Sundays ago, um, a march to we want to live and majority of that march was black and i was like okay i'm marching with people that look like me that share the same message as me and um i've only other really been to three other marches and i felt like there was a bit of performativity around the black lives matter march in silence because a lot of people showed out um because um they were striking about work. And then I asked them, so are you working on Juneteenth? And they were like, yes. And I was like, do you not know the history of that day? You should um, ask for it off, especially because one of the places that let um, folks have off for the Black Lives Matter silent march um, strike um, was a maritime organization. And I said, you need to strike on Juneteenth. Juneteenth with the dock workers um it would give a louder message but um one thing that I'm also looking at is my partner's from Memphis I'm from Chicago and I'm like I want to be around other people that look like me and they're like well why is it completely necessary and not necessarily having an answer to the whys and hows um especially since the last place I was working at was about 75% black, but the um, director of the organization and um, the board of the organization was white. Now I'm trying to be more intentional about who I work for. And I think I'm rambling at this point, but just things that are going through my mind about wanting to really, I agree with this, not all skin folk are kin folk but also the who views me and values me, um, not only around the love that I have, my partner's the same race as me, but when I go out and offer my work to the world, who's gonna respect that work, value the work, and not make me feel like shit in my work at the end of the day. Um, I said that I wanted to um, add something to that. Um, you, we still mentioned, uh, something about the, like, performativeness of Olive's, um, like, what's coming out of the protests from the white people and the major corporations, and I've been noticing that a lot on my social media timelines. Um, again, like, it feels like they're sort of profiting off of, um, the Black Lives Matter movement and just kind of exploiting whatever they can to stay relevant um and a lot of my friends have been starting to have these conversations and like i'm just like are you 
it sort of made me realize that yes, it is an issue that they may not have been aware of because like you don't really learn about this in school if you're white. Like you don't grow up seeing like the um hearing the microaggressions or uh the discrimination. Um and it's not something that I think a lot of people are aware of until they're like in their early twenties or like late twenties or whatever and they have to start challenging their belief systems because they're so suddenly so immersed in it. Um and also just sort of as a result of um the impact of social media these days. I think it's also like social media is contributing to sort of the awakening, I guess, to the realities that minorities in America face these days. How does everybody feel about the corporations dealing with everything going on, especially with Prime Month being canceled? I know for me, it kind of just always has been very performative. Um, and I think a lot of people appreciate that performative aspect, but at least for me, when you look at businesses like Chick-fil-A, I think a lot of people still eat at Chick-fil-A. My ass don't eat at no Chick-fil-A because they don't like, they already support Trump and they don't even like gay people, queer people. So it's like, that's already two things I can't eat there, but I think a lot of times when companies be backdoor acting like that, but in the forefront, they have a rainbow flag on the door or Black Lives Matter flag somewhere else. And then now all of a sudden are representing um, us during a month kind of makes me feel like unwanted and uncomfortable. How do you guys like feel about that? Okay, so first of all, I think we should use this time to officially switch uh, Black History Month to June uh, from February because it was already bullshit that y'all gave us the coldest, shortest month. So mm-hmm. the gays, they like to, they'll like go out there in the cold and they short shorts anyway. So just give us June. June. It's already Juneteenth. So just give, give June is now the official uh, Black History Month. Uh, but as far as pride and the performativeness from the corporate people, I I don't like when people say that like this replaced pride because pride is so performative every year and by companies and I don't want that to be a thing with with, with this movement. Like this needs to be something that happens all year long okay. uh, until we make real change. And pride is kind of something that just comes up every June. Mm-hmm. Or, and then it's like, yay, gay people, yay. And then for the other, the other 11 months, you don't hear anything. So um, I hope that they don't, it doesn't attach itself to the, the cycle of pride. I mean, it shouldn't because Black Lives Matter is going to be relevant on July 1st. I will, we hope so. So, well, we, we, we'll see. But I don't think that it's going to replace pride. I think that's just white people or whomever said that just trying to use that as an excuse to be angry at the black lives matter movement to justify their racism or their hatred for black people i mean you can have pride and be black at the same time it's not nothing that's been replaced you're already marching so put on a rainbow and march or you're marching for black lives matter so there's nothing that was replaced you just mad because it wasn't focused mainly on the white people and that's the thing like our our pride like us marching is showing our pride Mm -hmm. we are gay and so like we are black so us marching was showing our pride we just because we didn't have like a freaking parade on a rainbow (laughs) rainbow, doesn't mean like we took your pride mom you'll still go do all that stuff yeah 
think I was going to speak. Um, I still kind of have a problem with it being called canceled because it's people are adapting to make it happen. Um, and I just remember, I think it was two years ago in Seattle when we sat in front of the parade for two hours to protest the police killing of Charlena Lyles. And I shared a photo of it. And one of my friends in the Netherlands was like, they came to spend a year in the United States. And that was like the year that they came out and they went to Chicago pride and they saw the corporate thing. And they, but they were like, I've got all my friends and I've got all the love and stuff, but they didn't know the history. They didn't know about, um, Marsha throwing the first brick at Stonewall. They didn't know the history of blacks and the AIDS epidemic. And they didn't know the history of trans people and their involvement. And it's like, I brought it up and I'm like, and here is why we sat in front of the pride parade. And I'm sorry that you're not seeing it as um, happy go lucky um, Seattle or Chicago, but we had to bring that focus to the forefront. Like we're doing now with these protests and um, I feel everything completely with the performativity that's happening that needs to like be ended. And I'm kind of happy that to see that there's some teach-ins happening online around pride um, and like to see that continue. Like people need to know about Langston Hughes and Huey Johnson and uh, the ballroom movement versus just seeing Microsoft or Amazon, which a bunch of rainbow flags, or even the SPD has rainbow flags on it. Yeah, honestly, this, um, in the ballet world, from the ballet world's point of view, it's actually very clear who's racist and who's not. And I mean, <laughs> everyone's pretty much racist in case you guys couldn't tell it's run by white men. and um when i called out my company for their racism and their blatant disrespect and disregard for me even being there about eighty thousand people saw that video and so many people reached out to me and so many directors reached out to me asking me to help them with their own racism However, my very own director and my own staff were very reluctant to even speak. So, I mean, it does really show you who's there for you and who's not there for you. So, does someone get let out? Does someone leave? I think oh. we have to leave and come back. Oh, wow. Basically, it seems very fake. I mean, everything on Instagram, they're posting so much on Instagram about what they're doing, yet they're not consulting me at all about anything. Um, I may mention that they need to get like psychologists in for us since you guys have so much money and they haven't done anything. They have literally just made it a me problem. Somebody get anger management, you know? And so I think that it's so ugly to in this day and age still label the one black person who's trying to express what's going on, uh, label him as the angry black boy yet again and throw gay into the mix. It's just ridiculous. It's like they can't even comprehend that I could be gay black at the same time and speak my mind. It really does bother them. And especially because nothing that I say is a lie. And I very rarely stutter. Because, you know, I feel, everything that I feel is completely valid and I'm not stupid. Like, 
I'm from the South. Like, I'm from the ghetto in West Palm Beach, Florida. Like, Ooh, I'm from West Palm Beach. Palm Beach, Florida. No fucking way. Yeah, from Riviera Beach. S Avenue. I grew up on Tamron. You, you grew up on Tamron? <laughs> yes. Ooh, across the tracks? Across the tracks. I went to UB Kinsey Elementary School. I love the UB Kinsey. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, you know, it was like... So UB Kinsey, Palm, U Elementary School of the Arts. <laughs> You I pledge allegiance, and this is where we start. Hey, okay, all the way. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, I feel so black. And then when you learn about the history of this elementary school, it was a black, black artistry. The definition of black artistry in education, and yeah, I mean, I come from very strong roots of black people in the arts, and so you know, at the end of the day. Oh well, I'm not gonna shut up because they literally told me, oh, "Stop talking! You're ruining the image." Y'all, y'all's image was ruined before I got here. I'm just cleaning it up for you. They should be thanking me, and the fact that they have had me try to educate them on so many things and not offer competition once—they have no clue how much money it is to have someone rehash their racial trauma. From their entire past right. they're literally but at the same time let's not forget about the fact that white people are located to pain porn so they're getting off on this let's not forget that they actually like to hear the whole pain thing they don't really want to hear how they caused it they just want to hear about how you're squealing mm -hmm. but i could be wrong so the thing said i think she said be honest what do you what do what are white people doing right now that are making you even more exhausted? And what do you want them to stop doing? Sending me stories. For me, I need you to stop Girl. sending me stories. They are stop, sending me stop, stop sending me No more stories. tears. No stories. more pain. No more pain. No more pain. Stop calling like, me crying. Take responsibility. <laughs> take responsibility. Yes, I agree. But I hate them videos where they're like, I take responsibility. I like, oh my goodness. And then there's another thing I need white people to stop doing. Like I've gotten, I, I have random people who follow me and they'll send me articles and I'll just like, can you stop sending that article? And they're just like, well, I'm just trying to keep you alert. First of all, I'm, I'm alert. alert as fuck. So I don't. <laughs> you, you live this. Like what are you talking alert. about alert? Literally, I'm like, I live this. I don't need you to keep, but then they get up. So stop, when a person of color, a black person tells you to like, corrects you, stop getting angry. That's mad enough. Right. It's exactly. so <laughs> Someone posted right. their Instagram 10 ways to, to get rid of racism. And I messaged them and I said, there's one thing that they left out. I said, why don't you actually message one of your black friends to check in? Um, I've been messaging all my black friends. What are you talking about? This is just wrong. You don't tell me how to protest. And I'm like, mm -hmm. white people have taken this Black Lives Matter thing and used their white superiority complex to try to be more black black we were, people we were mm -hmm. at a march in seattle and i had a fuck the police sign and i was blowing i had a fuck the police sign the first take the first march and mm -hmm. this white lady comes up to me and she's like you're she she had a black lives matter sign she's part of the protest she's like your sign is so disrespectful it's just so oh, disrespectful girl. and i was like and she's like you shouldn't he's only you oh, oh my <laughs> god all my white friends just went up and attacked her they're just like karen get off and then, <laughs> And one another march i blew bubbles i was just like blowing bubbles at the police 
And online, I had a bunch of people being like, well, you probably just gave them Corona. You probably just, you probably just, I don't know, the first of all, you're <laughs> they, they try to take your joy. You cannot let these white people take your joy. <laughs> Bitch, I am happy today. I'm going to be happy tomorrow. <laughs> and I told them, I was like, and if I was blowing Corona bubbles, bitch, then so be it. You exactly. <laughs> That's for them to right. worry about. Why are you worried about Paul, Susan? Like, <laughs> this potential of them, of them trying to whoop your ass. So blow them bubbles. Yeah. I mean, it's that the whole, I, the whole, like when I posted my video that got 80,000 views, I got about, about 2,000 messages. Like when I say that I still have hundreds and hundreds that I didn't even get to. All of it was pretty much like 90% of the dance were pouring their white guilt onto me. And the crazy part was the amount of people that said the same sentence. And you really saw in clumps that it wasn't something specific. Like, see, the, the words, I'm with you, I see you, and I love you, I hear you, that has become the new thoughts and prayers. So I'm trying to figure out what is the gravity of what's going on because you guys are almost copy and pasting messages to me. And one girl had the audacity to say, I see you, I hear you, and send me a screenshot of a donation thing she sent to Black Lives Matter and scribbled out the price. I'm like, why are you sending this to me? First soloist at the National Ballet of Canada, acting crazy. I don't want y'all to be mad at me but i kind of have a little bit of a different perspective um right. so obviously y'all know what baltimore is it's we're always on the news for some bullshit <laughs> um but maryland in general i've lived all over maryland my whole life um so in high school for two years my mom got a different job and i had to go to the school in this all white county i'm talking like everyone on my street at this point like when i go back to visit them has trump flags confederate flags don't tread on me like this is a racist town they have tractor day you know what i'm saying this is this is the country um and you know i had to go to high school with these people and it's really difficult so being able to see like both sides you know what i'm saying um i experienced a lot of just blatant racism through my whole life. I was telling M um, in the live that like um, even in Baltimore I've been called a nigger straight to my face multiple times but you know in high school I had people like trying to scratch me on the bus and stuff just ridiculous but anyway I'm saying all I'm, I'm giving y'all this background to say that like I have lived around a substantial amount of racist white people and I'm seeing a lot of them changing their perspectives and understanding things a little bit differently um, and the one thing that seems to work with white people because um, I don't want this to be something that white people see and they're like, oh, well, they're just shitting on us the whole time. So why the fuck do we even bother to listen to them? You know what I'm saying? I have a lot of anger, but I also recognize nothing will get done if we don't rely or if we don't include white people who don't get it into our stuff. So this kind of goes back to the performative aspect, too. And forgive me for wrapping y'all up, but... When we talk about, like, performative allyship, that is very frustrating, yes. And all these companies that are like, I stand with you and all this shit, right? At the same time, though, it's shaking the table. Having a bunch of things, we all want this to last for a long time, right? But having a bunch of companies, a bunch of products, a bunch of, like, NASCAR, 
talking about they're getting rid of this stuff. It's a movement. There's a change. And when you surround people and you engulf them in it and there's literally nowhere out, they have to pay attention and they have to learn and they have to understand. Like there's this girl on Facebook or whatever, which is, first of all, but I've been on Facebook um, for something totally different. But anyway, so this girl on Facebook was saying, like, this is too far. NASCAR shouldn't get rid of the Confederate flag, blah, blah, whatever. Um, if you think it's about hate, uh, not heritage, open a history book. And I said, okay, so let me ask you a question. What did you think that that word was about? And she was like, it was about Southern pride, blah, blah, whatever. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to sound elitist. Um, she, because she was like, I learned this in social studies. Social studies you take in high school and middle school. So this is not, you know what I'm saying? This is, this is bare minimum knowledge that we're getting. Mind you, this is already in a racist school system. So I'm trying to tell her, like, you know, not to sound elitist, but take yourself, take yourself out of your high school knowledge and do a very quick Google search. Read a book. If you don't want to read a book, watch a video, blah, 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 whatever, right? This may be weeks ago. As of today, she's talking about, I don't know, y'all, the more I thought about it and the more I started to learn, it's not everything that we thought it was. It's not everything that I, you know, what it seemed. And, um, you know, like, maybe this is something that we need to look at different. It kind of is about hate. So a lot of these people are literally just stupid. I'm not trying to be funny, but or let me not say stupid, but ignorant, misinformed, you know, uninformed. And I think that instead of being... I think it's good for us to get together like this and be angry, right? But I also want us to make sure that when we actually go out, we are making sure we're making our points and we're following up from the stuff that we're seeing on TV. You know what I'm saying? The stuff that we're seeing from these companies. I think, I think that might help a little bit. I think that's the only way that anything's going to change because if they don't know, they're not going to understand if we just keep being if we don't, it's not our job to educate, but if we don't open the door, I'm afraid no one's going to walk through it, you know? Can I ask a, a question real quick? Um, as a non-black person of color in my sub-community, like, um, what can we do to be better allies as non-black people of color? I'll grab this one real, real quick. Um, I actually just had a like two incidents with non-black people of color who are from the Asian community. And personally, I think the biggest thing is to go back to your own community and to talk to your elders and to talk and to really like have them understand. Um, Cause we don't have pro like I, as far as like what you could do to help us, we need full allyship. And that includes, um, like I should feel comfortable going to every store and I should feel comfortable going into uh, an Indian store, an Asian store. Um, and when you don't as a black person that actually alienates you further. So like, it goes back to what I said earlier, before we start asking white people to like fix themselves, how, how they treat us, we need to start fixing our own communities. And I think that um, people of color who aren't black can especially do that and mm -hmm. make sure that their communities are not racist, are not, because that's one thing. People of color can be racist because they're like, 
the Asian community does hold some power over blacks. The, mm-hmm. a, the Indian community does hold some power over blacks. And that was given to them by the white folks and is in form of job opportunity, business opportunity, business reparations, loans, reparations that were given that right. weren't given to our communities. So I think the biggest help that a non-black person of color can do is to make sure that their community is really, really, really on our side um, and really just non-racist. Um, and, and really make sure that they're inclusive and make sure that we feel included before and then. And once that happens, then we can all together go and make sure the white people do it too. I feel like it's not even enough to be non-racist. You have to be anti-racist nowadays because people are just saying, oh, I'm not racist. But you have literally left a trail of straight up rubble for black people to pick up. Asking us why we're all in this shit, even though they're the ones who created it. Mm-hmm. So I think to undo what can I do to undo? You need to radically come clean about your racism and do everything in your power to make every black person you see feel like absolute royalty. That's literally why people's <laughs> job. Because it's really not a situation of, because your normalcy to black people, to us, is straight up disrespect. Because white people just don't notice even how disrespectful they are to black people without even thinking about it. That implicit bias mixed with power equals a baby of racism and just evil. You know, someone who doesn't even see what they're doing and who has all the power and money, what is that really going to turn into five years down the line? By just saying, oh, we care about our black dancers, but you still can't acknowledge that you're racist. Are you really going to sit here and say that the problem's going to be solved? The problem will only be solved if you expect your black colleagues and employees to hold you up. But that's not, it's no longer the black people's job to educate white people on shit that they need to be educating themselves on unless they're willing to pay money. And that's really forced to force. Like, there are, people are asking us to literally rehash our racial trauma just so they can understand and get a better idea when these are very much so our own lived experiences. I think it's highly, it's culturally insensitive to just have that much of an elitist mindset that I can call my black friend and ask what's going on in their black life. You know what I mean? You know, I after that first inclusion, diversity, whatever meeting, after I was basically intimidated by this woman, to, um, which led me to delete my video because it was literally a horror show in there. I mean, sh- this woman told the whole company, we have to capitalize off of this moment. What does that even mean? Capitalize off of me being treated like a human being? That's exactly how we got into this problem in the first place. People don't even want to talk about what the three-fifths compromise is because they don't even know. People have zero clue that there was a time that three, that five black people equal three white people. People didn't even people don't even know about the fact that so many things that people call ghetto were actually ways to help us escape slavery, such as cornrow, intricate braids. Oh, that's so ghetto. Actually, no. Those were used to resemble actual rows of corn and cotton. And the reason why you see all the intricate uh, um, zigs and zags is because it was literally a map to get out, to get out of the... um, It also was a way for you to hold food and like rice. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just interesting how people, um, with the internet in the palm of their hand, people are still dumb as fuck. That just makes me so damn tired. That's what makes me exhausted. That's, I think, the root of it. The fact that you are straight up saying, I don't know, I can't see race, but you're sitting up on Facebook 24-7 looking at black men getting murdered. That, to me, that shows how bereft white people are of humanity, generally. 
And by white people, I mean people with that white, that whiteness mindset. Because let's not get it twisted. I have seen more support from white people than some black people. Because we can't forget also, it's the black people that sold their, their brothers and sisters to the slave masters in Africa too. It wasn't just the white people who came and got them. Their brothers and sisters sold them for money. So, yeah. I'm going to mute my ass. You reminded me how angry I am. And now I want to take back kind of what I said before. I've been trying to be all woosa, but you reminded me of how pissed all this shit makes me. So forget everything I said. You're absolutely right. Uh. It's all right. Yeah, it really is like people really are quick to label us as angry and sad, but they are never willing to question where the root of the anger sadness comes from because they know the root of the anger comes from them. It comes from their abuse and it comes from their neglect. And people think that being silent um, has no value when the only people on the planet who I think understand the true gravity of silence is black people because we're the ones on the receiving end of it every time. So... The fact that the fact that white people are all just like, oh my god, silence is so loud. Silence. Where's the silence? I'm like, you guys have been silent on us for 420 years. Okay, we've had insomnia for 420 fucking years, and white people have had that too. Except when black people spoke up about it, they got lynched. White people got medication, and we wonder why black people deny mental health so much. We were never afforded the opportunity. No. Never. Sickle cell anemia only running rampant. Oh, because that. Oh, because it's only for black people. <laughs> that was made by a white person. How much you want to bet? You'd be very surprised how dirty these. Are. Like I'm from the south, where we where we act. Black people talk to each other. We are not divided in that sense because we because it's so segregated in Florida. You, it's like black people are put as you know. Black mm-hmm. people, Chris, are pushed in like actual. Just they are so compartmentalized. Black people in the South are actually brilliant. A lot of them don't have a lot of education, but they are some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. The natural business makers, because they were forced to have to take care of themselves. We all need to educate ourselves on the Tulsa, uh, on the Tulsa riots and what happened mm-hmm. and from the 19, in the 1920s. We need to understand about how smart we have always been. The history of Central Park, it was all Black-owned. That was a, that was, it was a hub of just black excellence, burned to the ground. Sheep's Meadow, it was where the sheep were. Burned those sheep to the ground. Damn. We don't even know that was the most prosperous place. KKK torched it. And we walked through Central Park as if it's nothing. But it was nothing but blackness at one point. Blackness that white people were really jealous of. So this is history repeating itself. The only way we're going to break through this is if we use all... We can't forget that we're standing on some massive fucking shoulders. If we forget that, we ain't got nothing. Let's not forget the shoulders that we're actually standing upon. These white people can't touch us. <laughs> I know Mary Angela's behind that camera like, yes, with her plan. Like, These white people yeah. can't touch uh-huh. us. Um, so I think we're going to, uh, M wanted us to go and tell about our current projects and what's going on um, to wrap up. And then Dan, Don's going to do a poem for us uh, right at the very end. Um, so I'll start because we have to, Chris and I have another appointment at 730 here. So um, 
current project. Um, I also am an adoptee. Uh, Listo, you said, I think earlier you said you're an adoptee as well. Um, yeah, I have a memoir that I wrote uh, called Word of the State, uh, Memoir of the Foster Care. Um, and so that's available on Amazon, Target, uh, pretty much wherever you can get books and eBooks. Um, let's see, what other projects am I working on? Well, we all know coronavirus. I'm, I'm an actor and entertainer. So like, that's just kind of comedy shows. That's all ended. Uh, we both have a comedy podcast that we mm -hmm. do called Kicking It with Chris and Carlos. And that's available on Spotify and pod Apple Podcasts, uh, YouTube. Um, and then let's see what else. Pretty much anything else that I'm doing, you can find, find on my website, carlosdiller.com. Um, but I just love that we got to do this, guys. I really love that we each had different experiences and we're in different parts of the world and different parts of the country. Um, and just like just being able just to have a community of just being able to hear each other, you know, mm -hmm. and not having a white person and not having to deal with a question being like, so, um, <laughs> you know, just talk. I, it really made me feel great. Um, do you have Do you have anything to say before no, I, our, our spot? No, not me. No, no he don't do any. He work, He don't do no social media. <laughs> He's like follow the podcast page. Uh, yeah, our podcast page is uh, Chris and Carlos on Instagram. Yes, we. It's really. He's made it a meme page. A meme page. Um, so you definitely have to check that out too. Um. I am an artist, an actor, um, an end-of-life doula, a um, gardener in the Seattle area. My current projects are I have been doing breath work. Um, June 27th is Trans Pride in the Seattle area, and I am leading a workshop at 435 Pacific Standard Time on Zoom uh, on advanced care directives for the LGBTQ community and healthy relationships. I um, also have a YouTube channel. The name is Nambazi. That's N-A-M-B-A-Z-I. You can find me on Instagram. That's Kalisto underscore Z-E-N-D-A. And um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at Black Udu. And um, besides that... Um, any other projects that I have been working on? Um, on Monday and Wednesday, you can find me on Rainier Avenue Radio World at 5.45. Um, the show goes on at 6 p.m. on Mondays and at 6.30 on Wednesdays. Um, that is sharing news with the uh, Seattle area. And um, that is it. Um, for me, I my current projects are mostly just uh, writing more poetry, as I always am doing. Um, you can find me on Instagram at writing poems in the dark, um, and working on a book that I'm writing, a young adult novel, um, sort of about my experiences growing up in Southern Arizona, stuff fiction books that. Lots of fun. Um, I'm trying to really focus on not having any white main characters for once, which should be fun. Um, but yeah, just writing and surviving and listening and learning. Um, 
So for me, this is kind of awkward only because, like, I wish I could say all the things you all have said. I don't really have a lot going on because I'm just a book student and my life kind of just collapsed all at once. My mom had a surgery. Um, coronavirus kind of ruined my whole college situation and my lease ended and now I'm working a few jobs and just trying to stay afloat. So I don't really have any projects. I don't really do anything. I have a YouTube. It's foreign Lauren. I don't really do anything. <laughs> Um, other than just try to study and be the best psychologist I can be. I just want to research so much and just do everything I can to be my best self and serve people I care about. Um, I don't have accessible social media, but yeah, just my YouTube phone line. This was an awesome experience to talk to all of you guys. Like, seriously, I, I, I often find myself just not really knowing what I'm doing, where I'm going, and, just hoping somebody hears me. So this is really cool. Oh, I guess I'll go next. Yeah, so I've basically just been spending a lot of time teaching classes, and ballet classes, etc. And I'm going to be collaborating with a few artists um, and making a little dance project. We'll be reaching out to artists all around the world, different nationalities and also music makers. I've been in contact with a lot of wonderful people, black female artists who make music and um, we're going to be using their music and they're going to be making some pieces. And um, I'm going to spend this time really focusing on my mental health. This company has actually gone out of their way to kind of destroy me mentally. And there's a history of them doing it and going up the retribution for people who speak up. And so I'm very happy to know that I can acknowledge the fact that um, I need help and it's okay that I need help because the amount of trauma that I've been through in this company is unreal and would make anybody vomit if they heard the whole thing. So um, I'm happy that I'm at the place where I can really just be like, yeah, that was fucked up, but that does not mean that that's who I am. It's not who I am. That's who they are. And um, I'm so happy to know that. Um, some things I have going on are, I have a book coming out next month. It's called Girl, Get Up. Um, it's just an anthology of very different types of poems that I've experienced in my life. Um, and it's just supposed to be not just motivational, but just gives you a little inside look of how Black queer people may face the world and their identities. Uh, something else I have going on as well is I have a Black Queer Lives March coming for Pride Month in New York City, which is always June 28th. So I'm taking that day to really march for the Black Queer Lives that have died to police brutality and just brutality in general. Um, so look for more information about that. And I also do public relations, freelance work, for up-and-coming creatives and businesses just looking for love and support because I always want as many Black people as possible to grow because we all deserve the right to grow as people. Um, and before I even go into this poem, I just hope you all know that you're all resilient, you're all strong, you're all amazing. Black joy has always been resilient. We have always found joy in a lot of the darkest moments of our lives. And definitely what... Nick said earlier, mental health is very important. So I hope we all take the time to really just breathe and work on our mental health and then just enjoy life 
before going back out into the world and facing these corporations that have done us wrong and really have harmed us. So I really hope that we can all just heal the best way possible before doing any of the necessary work we will have to do to just keep fulfilling our own lives and needs. Um, this poem we're going to do is a poem based off a very, very well-known movie for Black people um, and also kind of a very well-known movie for white people as well. I uh, hope you guys enjoy Come on and ease on down, ease on down the road. Come on and ease on down, ease on down the road. Don't you carry nothing that might be a low. Come on and ease on down, ease on down the road. Everybody just trying to see the whiz. Easing down yellow brick roads, rusted just a hot iron intake. This city never tells you to never stray from the concrete. Crows manipulating brainless bodies into self-deprivation. Sounds like whiz biz to me. The whiz is trying to keep monkeys from being grounded. Because if he allow niggas to fly, maybe they'll find true happiness. That's why graveyards are connected to hoods. It ain't no coincidence that the Queen's Factor is connected to it all. And why hospitals are so far from us, white neighborhoods. Citizens of the Emerald City ain't never wanted to have nothing to do with us. Redlining our minority communities to keep everything green, red, white, and blue. The Wiz ain't worried about no Dianas wearing red pumps. Just Dorothy making a home in three clicks. Maybe that's why black girls, I mean, witches go missing in eyes, and we know better than anyone. That the Wiz is just a coon and a cape. Maybe they started dropping house on us to prove a point. Wicked black bodies in the East need to know when to stay in line. Water guns drawn on site. Everybody is always better off when her green body is melted into the pavement. Maybe her green skin mixed with her red blood made the yellow look so shiny. She was too wicked for the city. War, too much black hair, too black look, too black green, a danger to us. It's as if her green skin represented the freedom of the city. And y'all ain't used to black bodies carrying around freedom in eyes. Y'all think a black woman just got that angry with no white man doing no wrong? Y'all think the whiz ain't wrong? That his magic ain't got none of you niggas confused? They ain't the reason for cops jumping niggas that just want a piece of what his city has to offer? He's the one grand wishes, isn't he? It's the big apple, ain't it? The city that never sleeps. The city that forgets its people. The city that allow white people to gentrify our homes because odds look so good on TV. Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. We just want to be urban without the complication. And Oz ain't never knew how to protect black bodies. I mean monkeys, I mean niggas, I mean New Yorkers. Yeah, when we try to defend ourselves from those entering our homes, they go and get their lions. A coward into white privilege put a battery in his back or a tin man desperate enough to accept us because the wits that'll give him a heart if we do. And we have seen too many scarecrows roaming around aimlessly with no common sense. But when we step outside for fresh air for 10 minutes, our bodies are dragged on yellow brick roads to raking rules and regulations outside is a free man's world. Those connected to the witch need to stay in darkness. The sun is for those that love the whiz. So you beat us, you shoot us. It takes 10 of you to handle one black boy. I mean monkey. I guess monkeys ain't fast learners. You must got us confused for some circus animal. We just so used to spreading our wings and flying. And odds ain't never liked anybody that was different. Black, wicked, green. 
and I ain't never seen a black officer serve and protect my brothers and sisters properly. I honestly think the Wiz cast something on that badge that makes them forget that they're niggas. They all just listen to the Wiz. We all just want to listen to the Wiz, see the Wiz. But why ain't nobody ever seen the Wiz? He ain't never come and help us. He sent a band of hipsters to do his job, so why would I believe that he would ever grant my wish? He just wants to be seen as a son. Something you idolize, never question, never look at too long because you just might see his act. He ain't no different from us. He's just used to people needing him. Used to people easing down yellow brick roads, forgetting what he did to us. The city ain't never been for us. Niggas never been allowed to be free in this city. But what do I know? I'm just a monkey with wings. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode and all the episodes. We hope you'll join and support us online in the Faces of Fortitude movement on Instagram at Faces of Fortitude, on Facebook at Faces of Fortitude Portraits, and you can find me personally on Twitter at Mariangela Abeo. If you'd like more information about the Faces movement or have an idea for a topic or person you'd like to see on the podcast, please email us at booking at facesoffortitude.com. Until next time, take care of yourselves and those around you. And by that, I mean, wash your fucking hands, wear a damn mask, defund the police, basically continue fighting for the rights of black lives everywhere, especially black trans lives, and do your part to abolish all forms of systemic racism. I'll see you next time.